Welcome to another episode of The Real Physician Reacts. This is our weekly live uh, TikTok show, right? Because we've kind of kept it just on TikTok. Uh, weekly live TikTok show where we just kind of talk about stuff that comes across our social media feeds one way or the other, or something that's important in the medical community, whether it be COVID, whether it be vaccine, whatever. Um, we, we, if, it's, if it's important enough to talk about in the medical community, it's important enough to talk about here. Now, um, for those who are on live, first of all, thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for hitting those likes and the hearts and everything. Much appreciated. We have a serious discussion this evening. Uh, this morning, I was on Twitter, and this uh, tweet came across uh, one of my social media feeds, recognizing, and obviously, you know, you can kind of read it, Westworld, Dr. Nikita, uh, more and more residency programs across the country need systemic and institutional overhauls. Residents are struggling. We lost another bright light too soon. So this is Dr. Nikita Warnamore, who uh, was a first year anesthesiology resident who unfortunately took her life and took her life during the month of May. And we all kind of understand the month of May is mental health month. Uh, but what makes Dr. Warnamore, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, what makes her story not only uh, more of a, a, a significant punch in the gut with everything that's going on, is that this was a resident, first year resident who made the news not as recent of the last November, November, December timeframe as a resident who was looking to fight for residents' rights and, and workers in general as far as over, being overworked, being burnt out, and then when we fast forward seven months later, she takes her life. And you have to believe that a lot of the stress and everything, again, obviously I don't, I don't know her, but you have to believe that the stress and everything that she was dealing with had to do with the issue she was dealing with as a resident. And again, I'm an attending physician. I've been out of residency for about nine years. I've had, I've been a program, I've, I'm, you know, a fairly young, especially in the medical career field. Um, I've been a program director for about four, four to five years. I was program director for five years for an internal medicine program. So I know quite vividly uh, the emotions she was experiencing as a resident. I always, and when I always, especially when I like to talk about these things, I always like put myself in it first. I remember being a first year medical resident, you know, I'm just happy. I graduate medical school, which for those, especially if you've been on Tucker for a while, you know that recently had their match and, you know, it was a whole bunch of match day celebrations. And then you get to the residency program. You get to the residency program. And for a lot of residents, it is not all it's cracked up to be for lots of different reasons, whether it be the scheduling, whether it be being too far away from home, not having support, lots of different reasons why um, it's not as happy as it is when you had your match day celebrations but you push through because you understand that you've been you've been doing this for you know years right again i was a I've, I've told myself i wanted to be a doctor since i was like seven eight years old as much as i can remember so you can understand how important right it is just to get to that point where you're like all right i'm about to be a doctor right you can understand extremely how important that is so you get to the point where you're like all right i'm a resident and then you realize that the educational field of being a resident, right, 
isn't conducive for a lot of people's wellness, especially from a mental, spiritual standpoint, sometimes from a financial standpoint. It just isn't conducive. And when you start asking questions like I was, you start asking questions like, hey, you know what? Do we do we have to work this many hours? Do I have to you know, be on call all day? Do I have to be the one to go to the ER? When you start asking these questions, a lot of times you're met with resistance like, oh, that's what we had to go through. No adjustment of like, hey, you know what? That is tough. You know, I, I kind of understand. No, that's what we had to go through. So you had to go through. So in residency, especially in, in the educational field, we have this trauma that continues to be passed on from class to class to class. And no one wants to break the cycle. No one wants to break that cycle because they don't they they're like, hey, if I had to go through it, and you probably heard this term like, oh, you know, when I, well, during my day, I had to walk through snow and all that BS. Right. Like so they're like, if I had to go through the toughness, you should have to go through the toughness as well. And, and it takes and it takes amazing people like this to say stand because remember, this is a first year resident. It's not like she was a resident, you know, for a few years, got tired of it. This is a first year resident who said, nah, enough is enough. To the point where, and I, I reposted this story because this happened in November, where her and a bunch of her colleagues were looking to form a union in New York City of resident physicians saying, hey, we are tired of the conditions that we are put under. And for those who may not understand what physicians, what um, conditions people are put under, um, as a resident physician, it is not out of the ordinary for you to work 60 to 80 hours, sometimes more, per week. It is not out of the ordinary for you to have the most undue stress upon yourself uh, day in, day out, and then be told, you know, sleep 24 hours and get right back to it, right? Like that is the norm for a lot of residency programs across the country. And the reason why it's a norm is because that's how, like, oh, this is how it's always been about. Like, this is what you always, this is what we've always done. And one thing I love about the, uh, I like to say younger, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not their generation. I'm not, oh, I'm like 40 years old now, right? So the younger generation of of resident physicians, pre-meds, medical students, is that they're recognizing that, hey, I'm not going to purposely sign up for that level of stress, right? Like I'm, I'm not going to just willingly sign up for that level of stress and then just take it. Like that's not something I'm going to do. So you have more and more residents across the country saying like, all right, enough is enough. Like something needs to change. So again, you have this beautiful, beautiful uh, physician here who says, I'm going to do something about it. So she leads organizations, she leads unions. She tries to do what she needs to do to try to make her work life better. But more importantly, the work life better for everyone else who will come behind her. And then we fast forward seven months later. And again, I'm not sure what extra stressors that she had on top of just being a resident physician. It was too much. And because it was too much, she took she decided to take her life. And as a as a former, again, program director. Yes. Yes, she has. Um, as a former program director, one who's been a part of medical training, training medical residents, training medical students. If you are not in tune with your residents, with your medical students, what they're dealing with, what their stress is with, 
a situation like this does is 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 not surprising but like and that is the problem at hand like we're going to see something like this occur and it it, it occurs across the country and and I, I think i think this one hit more because this one this is a person this is a resident physician who says like i want to do something about it and and unfortunately the system of medicine failed here like a lot of times we talk about this aspect that you know medicine is caring and everything else that's great uh but a lot of times the training to get to this point is and i'm not sure if anyone's in like fraternity or sororities is like and someone kind of mentioned it is like this initiation is this this pledge process uh that occurs and it's almost like the stronger survive but the problem is when our strongest don't survive this is a route that they may take and we just hope that they take the route of, oh, I'm just going to quit medicine. But this is a route that they may take. We know physician suicide is one of the highest amongst our, you know, higher education career fields. Like it's, it just is what it is, right? Because of the amount of stress that's placed upon our physicians across the country. And again, and it's not just the attending physicians, the ones who finish residency and are out and about. No, we place this ridiculous amount of stress on our resident physicians. We place a ridiculous amount of stress on our medical students. Anyone who knows a pre-med understands how much stress they are consistently under to get to medical school. Like they walk, like I said, because I talk to them, they walk around acting as if, man, if I don't do well in this one class, if I don't do well in this one class, my whole life, is is over with like so imagine just think about think about that scenario where our pre-med students think that if they don't do well in one class they have to think about a whole new different life that is the amount of stress that you know and again like i said i appreciate you that's the amount of stress that we voluntarily walk into when we say we want to pursue medicine but situations like this will continue to occur if attendings like myself um, and across the country, especially those in educational field, don't say, you know what? Like, yeah, I understand that working 68 hours uh, was, and sometimes more, was the thing to do. But there's got to be a different way. Like with technology and the way, just the way we process things and just the amount of information we have to know now, there has to be a different way to do this. Because we're going to keep having situations like Dr. Mortimer, we're going to keep having situations where our, our, our best clinicians don't even make it out of training. Like that's going to be a thing if we don't do something about it. And I, I mentioned and I talk about burnout a lot. I think when, when we first initially started talking about burnout and just burnout in medicine, I think a lot of people, yes, that is true. Residence lives definitely matter. I think a lot of times when people used to think about burnout, they would always say, oh, they just don't work enough. And it was kind of shoo shoo. It, was, it wasn't given the credence that it wasn't given. And until you start seeing that burnout affects every single level of the profession and ultimately hurts the profession, all of a sudden you start looking inward and saying like, oh, OK, like, yeah, we might have to do something about this. Because again, we used to always think that, oh, burnout was our, our, our 60, 70 year old physicians who are just ready to be done with medicine. 
until we started looking and seeing that no burnout happens to our attending physicians who've been out for like 10 years burnout happens to our resident physicians who haven't even even they what makes it what makes it worse is that you you work so hard to get this position here and you don't even get to you know you know you know get the fruits of your labor right so you're in a position as a resident physician where you may be making 40,000 45,000 50,000 again obviously depending on the career for you that may sound like a lot of money but we know in medicine that is not that is not amount of money especially when you factor in the amount of hours they have to work again i said especially she's an anesthesiology resident she's likely working close to the 60 to 80 so she's making 40,000 a year 50,000 a year working 60 hours every single week has the lives of patients in her hands every single day. Like that's the amount of stress that she's walking into every time she steps foot in the hospital. And, and that amount of stress and burden. And the problem with medicine, medicine, medicine has no problem uh, filling your cup with stress and burden. It doesn't matter what's going on with family. It doesn't matter what's really going on with your finances. It doesn't really matter what's going on with your friends. Like medicine said, no, no, no. I'm gonna take all. I'm gonna take all of your time. I'm gonna take all of your mental energy, so you can't even focus on yourself. And you know, I have, I have, I've, I know I got a couple of my uh, former residents who follow me. One thing they understand that I was big on was, man, you gotta protect your mental. Like you have to protect your mental uh, because this medicine thing. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, she did, Carol, um, because this medicine thing uh, will overtake you every single time if you don't. It will overtake you every single time if you don't. So what happens when you see a situation like this is that now someone who was in the pre-med route sees another story like this and say, hey, you know what? It ain't even worth it. It is not even worth it if this is a possibility like this should not be a possibility when you're going through school this should not be a possibility when you're going through training like like this should not be a possibility that i could get so overburdened with stress i can get so overburdened with the working conditions that everyone is telling me it's normal that i should deal with i should get so i can get so overburdened that i think you know, suicide is an option for me. And and I think if if you're a professional out there, you really, you really have to look upon yourself and say, all right, what are we doing? What are we doing to try to rectify the situation? Like, how are we going to stand up? Because again, this, because we, we all know the way social media goes, uh, this will be a news story for about a week or so, and then it'll dissipate. So we have to take it upon our mantle to say, nah, we're not going to allow a story like this and a story like others, because again, she's not the first, she's not going to be the last. But if we continue to not do nothing and say, no, this is just kind of the status quo. This is just how medicine is. Everyone used to work these hours. Look at me. I'm just fine. Like we can't allow that mindset to continue to fester, especially in the year 2023. Right. So let me get let me get to some of your questions. Right. Because, again, it's I just had to talk about it because I just felt so bad. And again, this is uh, I was reading I was reading a little bit of her story. Um, 
Haitian physician, so you know, my last name's Pierre, so that, that should come obvious. Um, Haitian physician, first year anesthesiology training. Describe residency a, as a balancing act of two truths. One truth is the honor is to care for members of the Bronx community at large. It is a privilege to learn from and collaborate each other. Um, this is what I said. The other truth is that with its current conditions, this work, this very work is often unnecessarily challenging to our wellness as individual people. And this is what these are the truths that uh, every physician across the country has to go into saying, hey, I'm here because I want to be able to take care of my community. But I also know that while I'm having to try to learn to take care of my community, I'm not doing it in the best conditions. I'm doing it in conditions that most people would be running away screaming from. But guess what? I can't just run away, right? I can't just say, nah, I'm done. I'm cool with this, right? Because, you know, I got you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans. I got family and friends depending on me to finish. I'm almost at the, because again, as a, as a resident, you are almost at the finish line. You told yourself, hey, I want to be a doctor when you were in elementary school, middle school, whenever you told yourself, and you went through pre-med, you went through medical school, and now this last hurdle of going through, this is all you need to go through. But the stress and burden of going through just this and res anesthesiology training is usually about four years. Just the stress of dealing with this for four years, right? And again, she was a first year resident. So she didn't, she didn't even get to year one. She didn't, well, I guess, I guess depending on the time and the, you might say, well, she was just finishing year one. Just finishing year one. And here it goes. She said, you know what? Eno enough is enough. And, and some some people kind of mention it, right? Which which is I think which I don't know if a lot of people recognize the majority of training in this country would not be able to function. They're not just training; the majority of medicine in general would not be able to function if residents weren't working there. There are a lot of hospitals that are literally. Uh, in the green, aka in the profit, because they have residents who work there. Like if if I snatch those residents out that building, like like that that program is done. Like we there was a program. It was a hospital in Philly, I believe. I think it was in Philadelphia, uh, where they lost their accreditation and they lost uh, you know the ability to have medical residents do their training there, and the hospital had to shut down. So. I don't want you guys to be, again, so you, especially those who may be on the outside looking in, I don't want you guys to think like, oh, well, you know, the residents and, you know, they'll be able to, no, like a lot of healthcare would not be viable if you did not have residents. That is just the truth. So understanding, yes, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, I, I want to say Temple, but I know it was in Philly, that Philly area. I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll take, I'll take a quick look in a second to see which one closed down. Um, but a lot of hospitals would not be here today if it wasn't for residents. So when you know, uh, and I'm, I'm going to answer your question because uh, I'm not someone's asking why. So uh, Drexel, yeah. So if you know that the residents are the absolute backbone of your hospital, you think you would do everything you can to make sure they're mentally taken care of, spiritually taken care of. Financially, you would think that would be the case, but in our capitalistic society, that it is just not. 
right? So someone asked, like, what what is it uh, that um, what is it that makes it so that the re- the hospitals were shut down? So what typically occurs from a residency program, and this is more just uh, we can get to it, but the hospitals get paid by Medicare. Um, let's say per resident. Let's just make it even number. Let's say a hundred thousand dollars. Medicare government gives a hundred thousand dollars per resident at your program. Now, with that hundred thousand dollars, you're supposed to, you know, obviously pay your salary, do their benefits, and everything else. So, if you have a hospital that has, you know, ten residents, right? That's a million dollars that that hospital now has to take care of those residents. Now, they're giving a hundred thousand dollars. I can assure you that the the uh, residents aren't getting a hundred thousand dollars. That is because that's just how capitalism goes. So, I can assure you that is not the case here. So they spend their time working these residents to the bone and not taking care of them financially, overworking them, overstressing them. And in such situations like this happen, right? Where you have, for, for, especially for people just joining, um, we're talking about of a serious discussion today. We're talking about a resident physician out of uh, New York City, Dr. Nikita Mortimer, who unfortunately... Um, took her life last month or late last late last month, like a week ago. And the reason why it's such a significant um, discussion is that she was on the forefront of trying to start a union in that city, in her program, because of the amount of uh, burden and being overworked and stress that the residents were experiencing. They were experiencing so much stress that she said, you know what, we need to form a union or we're never going to get the concessions we need to be able to function mentally. And I and I, I dropped a quote uh, earlier about her where she talked about being a residency uh, training program, being two truths. And this one is the one that hits. Uh, the other truth is that with its current conditions, this very work is often unnecessarily stressed that unnecessarily challenging to our wellness as individual people because residency has unfortunately gotten to a point where they're okay with the training being unnecessarily challenging mental wise and and they're trying to tell you yes you was uh no it wasn't no no foul play no we're not uh no foul play uh we don't we hope not um which i don't think so i just think that I think she was under so much stress being an anesthesia resident and dealing with those stressors that it was just too much. And for some people, this is the option that they have. They say, you know what? I am dealing with so much excess stress. I don't have any other option. And and unfortunately, she felt she did not have any other option and she took her life. And, and this should be a warning shot like the other physician suicide should be a warning shot to those in our profession to say, hey, even if I was one of the fortunate people who made it despite, because I, when I tell people when I got through residency, I made it despite working 68 hours a week. I made it despite having to deal with death at such a level that I I'm, I, I feel like I'm ridiculously comfortable with the fact of death. I made it despite that, and I made it to the other side. We have a lot of our colleagues who do not make it. We have a lot of other colleagues who say, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going into medicine. I'm not going. I don't want to take care of patients. Like yes, residency is hazy, 
And until we recognize that it's not just about how book smart you are, it's about how mentally uh, prepared you are for life after residency, then like we're going to continue to have situations like this here. So I, so I think that's I think that's the biggest issue as well. Yeah, and I, I love this fact. So some say this is not only for physicians, but for all programs. Oh yes, and that, and that's what, and that's why when I talk, I, I I'm the healthcare field. The healthcare field is a is a treasure trove of hazing, like. All across the board, the healthcare field is a treasure trove of having, while also telling us that we need to be at the most uh, peak proficient level of ourselves to take care of others. So that, yes, the healthcare field is very ratchet. It is very ratchet. And uh, the clinicians that you have, that you see, you know, on TV, that you see, especially nursing, um, that you see across, like, they made it, they made it going through that gauntlet. So for those who made it through that gauntlet, we can't be okay with, oh, I had to go through that, so they should have to go through that. Like, that's a phrase we got to get up out of there. Right. So someone said, I feel like residency, there should be some type of counseling. So what's been happening, especially over, the, I'd probably say the past uh, five years, because like I was a residency program director. So what's been happening over the past, I want to say five to 10 years, uh, but probably probably more five, is that because residents like Dr. Mortimer have been continued to be extremely vocal about being mentally fit as well as, you know, academically fit, residencies are continuously being challenged to make sure they are wellness programs within their program. They're continuously being challenged to make sure, hey, if I'm having some mental health issues or stressors, where can I like a event from, right? Like they're continuously challenged by that to the point now where you have, even when our residents are doing the, the interview circuit, that's a question. That is a very common question they're asking. What do you, what do you do about your wellness? Right. What, what do you do about the mental health? What do you do when someone's stressed uh, with just the rigors of being a resident physician, whether you be OB, pediatrics, OB gyne, anesthesia, surgery? What are you doing about that? Like we are, we are definitely yeah, more wellness modules, right? Like, like it's to the point where it's required. Now, mind you, the reason why it's required now is because situations like this are occurring more often. And in a time where before social media, you know, it may got a little fanfare locally, but we didn't hear about it. Now I'm in the state of Florida. I can hear about a resident passing away from suicide like that. Like, so I think that's where the pressure comes. And I'm going to need like our governing bodies, the ACGME, who, you know, run programs, uh, who essentially run all the residency programs, like statements have to continue to be made. Decisions have to continue to be made to figure out where we went wrong because we failed her. Like, don't get it twisted. We failed her. We failed her because she had to, the fact that she as a first year resident couldn't just focus on her first year studies. She had to focus on, man, how do I unionize residents across the country? Cause this ain't right. That means we failed her. That means me being a former program director failed her because in 2022, she still had to fight for those rights. And, and I, I think that's where, you know, as, as attending, that's where we really have to say, man, like what what do we do 
like what did we do and more importantly what are we not doing like we, we should not be here um you know at, at that standpoint um oh this is a very good question so my husband is currently a resident i can tell you struggling how can i help as a partner you know you know what you know what let me tell you so as a because my wife you know she's not in medicine either and one of the best things that as a partner of a, a someone in the field is be just sometimes just being there and allowing them to be able to say talk about stuff that does not that has nothing to do with medicine because i would come home i would come home and the last thing i want to talk about is my day at work and of course, you know, as you know, as, as a loving spouse, you kind of like, oh, hey, honey, how was work? How was da, da, da? And honestly, a lot of times that is the last thing I want to talk about, because at work I had to deal with this death and that issue and some senior resident yelling at me and some attending yelling at me. Like I'm having to deal with all this extra stresses here that I just want to be able to come home and then not have to think about it. So understanding that, you know, sometimes they don't really want to talk about much, but just be around you uh, is extremely important. Recognizing that, hey, like if you ever need to kind of, you know, put because let me tell you, especially when if you have a spouse who's not necessarily in the medical field, you don't want to be telling them about, you know, the real nitty gritty, the deaths. You don't want to be telling them about that because you don't want to ruin their day. So they'll go and internalize it. You'll go and internalize it. All right. Let me just let me just eat this on the chin because I don't want to have to deal with that aspect there. So just being there, being that supportive partner there, uh, being there to listen when they want to listen and then letting them know, say, hey, you know, this you're not in this journey alone. Right. My wife said, Tell me all the time, hey, you're not in this alone. Right. If you ever just need a vent and just rock out or you ever just need to go in the corner and do that. But understand I'm here with you. Right. I think that's some of the some of the best advice, uh, you know, for our partner, especially those who are in, uh, you know, this healthcare field kind of dealing with distresses for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think just being being just being an advocate is extremely important. And and a lot of these hospitals, they have they have, you know, mental health counselors. They have, you know, especially because usually because, again, resident physicians, they're typically employees of the hospital. So, you know, if your resident physician has an issue, they typically can go to HR so they can they can you know, partake in all of the, you know, same things that other employees can partake. But a problem that you worry about is that, man, if I go, if I go over here and they, and they know I'm stressed, they know I'm struggling and maybe I'm falling behind, you know, will they continue, will they continue to keep me on? Right? Like these are real life thoughts that residents will have where like, I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's too much. I don't want to say I'm too stressed because I don't want them thinking that they can hold me back or I don't want them using this against me, right, to promote me. Because as a residency, um, it's all about promotion up, like moving up, moving up, moving up. So so I, I think that's, I think is extremely important to think about why you may see a lot of residents don't come out and say, hey, like I, I got an issue, I got a concern, because there's always that fear that it may be used against them, even though legally it cannot. Um, Selena says, um, I'm incoming PJ. I want to generally worry about mental health in the coming months. Yeah. So one thing I, I always stress and I, I talked this, uh, it's so funny cause I just, I just, I just saw a couple of my, uh, my old PGY threes, uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago. And the first thing I, and they know I stress is understanding what are your outlets outside of that medicine field, whatever field you're going to and being able to recognize like, Hey, 
this is the stuff I like doing that don't necessarily have to do with being a resident physician. Like everyone has something that they like doing that does not have to do with their career field, right? In medicine as a resident and being like really diligent and making sure that you carve out time for that. Like if you tell yourself, all right, I'm just going to wait till, you know, my time's a little freer before I go, you know, go, uh, you know, scuba diving or whatever the thing is. I don't know what to do, whatever that thing is. The residency will definitely make sure they take all your time in the world. It will it will 100 percent take up all of the time in the world. If you say, all right, I'm going to just wait until, you know, I got some free time. So you got to get to the point where you're almost saying like, hey, I'm about to schedule like, hey, Every Friday, I'm going scuba diving. Every Friday, I'm going fishing. Every Friday, I'm going to my art class. Every Friday, I'm doing the thing that I like doing that has nothing to do with medicine. Because if you don't have that, and I like to call it like an escape valve. If you do not have that escape valve out of there, medicine will take up all the time in the world. And it'll it'll keep doing it. It'll keep saying like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, hey, like you should think all about me. Right. And, and I think that's the that is the the, the dangerous game um, that we play. So it takes not only the resident recognizing, hey, I need to be able to escape and do some things. It takes the program to say, hey, we need to give you guys a break. You guys are working 40, 60, 80 hours a week. We need to make make sure we're forcing you guys to take breaks, forcing you guys to take your vacation. For Especially, I know a lot of residents who, for some reason, don't like taking their vacation. No, the second you know the months that you, because you can't take a vacation every month, we all know that. But the second you know, like, hey, there's certain months I can take a vacation, you say, I'm taking that vacation. Like, because the work is going to be there. After vacation, you come back. Before you leave for vacation, the work is going to be there. So you have to be very, very purposeful in having that escape valve outside of your residency, uh, because that that is what typically you know really hurts the PGY ones, because they feel that they have to be engrossed with whatever their residency is twenty four seven, and they feel like oh I can't live a life because I'm a PGY one, and that I think that is uh, farthest from the truth. Uh, someone said, "Doctor should know about mental health." Already, nah. That's uh, not. You know what? You know what? You know, the reason I, I do I, I do like this statement, right? Because what typically happens, uh, especially for physicians, right? For physicians in general, but just healthcare uh, people, is that yeah, we be knowing. Like, I'm pretty sure she knows that. Wow, this is a lot of stress. But what typically happens is there's so much peer pressure built into the system of residency training that she can't even allow herself to think about it. She said like, yep, it's stress. We got to do something like, yeah, she was trying to unionize. So she recognized like, oh, this is a problem. But as she's trying to unionize, she still got rotations to go to. She still has patients she has to take care of. She still has rotations she has to be graded on. So like her fighting for unions and everything else, she had to, like I talked about that escape valve. That was her escape valve. Like she had to do that on the side while going into the belly of the beast. So I, I think that's where, you know, that's where it's, I think it's, it's heartbreaking because um, we know, we know uh, that, you know, the conditions uh, that, that are at just her program there at our, that are, are at programs across the country. Like it, it, it unfortunately is not, unfortunately just not, not the case there.
Yeah, no, yeah, a lot of people say, yeah, no, it, you know, it, it definitely hurts. It definitely hurts, especially again, you know, this is a resident physician, right? This is, this is, you know, not to say that a tending physician would be even better, but she didn't even get uh, the chance to officially say, hey, I'm an anesthesiologist. Like she was an anesthesiologist in training, but she didn't even get to that that last hurdle because the stress and burden of all of the processes that she took to get there was just too much for her. Um, oh, I, I haven't talked about sleep deprivation, but I think that's a, a big key, right? Because I mentioned kind of sleep deprivation uh, adding to a lot of the stress. When you're working 40, 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week, some people work more. When you're working all of these hours and then are expected to go home and study some more, sleep typically is one of the last things that like they're saying, oh, just, just squeeze some sleep in. Like that's like your training for a lot of residents is, all right, how do I work on probably the me- the least amount of sleep I've ever had to work on? Like, and that's what you train for three, four five years. Like, how do I do that with this little amount of sleep that's coming about? And, and it's again, and it's one of those things where they tell you always oh, to make you mentally tough, um, not realizing that it becomes so detrimental uh, in the long run. And, and again, I, I think medicine and medicine training um, is, is so old in their traditional ways. And the training aspect, right, is like some of the last hurdles that, that we still have to get over. When doctors who are my attendings, who are probably, what, 60, 70 years old now, when they were when they were in medical school, when they were in medical training, the amount of information they had to know or they had to study was probably like 20, 30 percent what I had to know. Right. And that's just that's just that's just reality. Right. There, there wasn't as many drugs. There wasn't as many medications. Um, they didn't know as many treatment options. Right. They didn't have all these algorithms. They just didn't know or have to know as much information. So not only are the newer, younger physicians having to learn much more significant information, they're being told that, hey, um, with all that information you got to know, we still want you to know it right, at the same rate uh, that the old physicians had to know it when they had 30% or less work, right? Like, again, it just is just a recipe for um, disaster for sure. Um, oh yeah, oh, especially oh, someone someone mentioned about the, the resident being black resident ortho program. Woo. See and see that's a whole nother. And again, I don't know what her makeup is uh, in in her residency program because uh, uh, Southwest talks about her husband being a, a black ortho resident. Which first of all, being a black orthopedic physician already is a small number. That is already a small number. So when you're in these training programs. And you're like one of one, which is not, especially the higher you go um, from a training perspective, specialty perspective, which is not uncommon, um, it gets even lonelier. So you're in a situation you're, that you're in a lonely position. Uh, you're having to fight uh, the mental demons that the residency program has put upon you from a systematic standpoint. And we're not even talking about some of your residents may be adding to that extra stress. Some of your attendings may be added to that extra stress. Life is adding to that extra level of stress. All of these different things are here are adding to your extra level of stress. And you still have to be able to pick up, go, and, and keep it moving, right? Like, it's, it's, it's just 
uh, just a mental, just a mental uh, hazing that occurs from day one that doesn't stop until you get up out of there. You know, it's, it's just ex extremely tough. Mm, yep, yes, my husband always says he just wants normalcy. Yeah, no, definitely. I, my wife would be like, oh, how, how, how's your day? It was good. Regardless, regardless, of if, if I could have had the worst day, I could have had patients crashed on me left and right, it was good. Right, because there's because good because we're caring people, right? We don't why why would we add on like that level of angst and stress uh, uh, to a partner so our family members? Like, yeah, we just we just don't do that. Now let me see here. Yeah, so yeah, someone mentioned a yeah, uh, shout out to Nurse Doc said I uh, need modules are just a band aid need just the core issues. Yeah, and that, that's what it is. These. These modules that they have out here are more because of situations like Dr. Mortimer and residency programs being like, all right, guys, we got to have some wellness. Like, again, they, they they didn't volunteer to have wellness programs. They didn't volunteer to try to see if we can reduce work hours. Like there was actually because because the the eight like this, this is going to probably sound crazy to a lot of people. The 80 hour work week is something that they had to fight for. Like we had to fight to say, hey, please only work us 80 hours. And, and you know, AC Jimmy, everybody was like, OK, all right. 80 hours is cool. All right. No more than 80 hours. Like so imagine like that was the halfway line. Probably wasn't more halfway. But the halfway line was, hey, you can on you only have to work 80 hours. Like, and for those who work 40 hours a week, just imagine your job saying you got to double that. You got to double that and you still get the same pay. You still got the same pay. But yeah, we, we can work you up to 80 hours. Like that was the compromise. Just, just so people understand. So when they do these modules, they're, they're not talking about the fact that systemically, like the way your program does this training is, is, is putting too much emphasis on having to learn, having to study, spending so much time, not enough sleep. Right. Not enough, not enough camaraderie, not enough community service, not enough. Just, hey, get up out of here. Get away from us for, you know, a week or so. Like, isn't that's not the focus. Right? And, and I don't I don't even have to talk about how, uh, especially for my women, for my women residents who have to like ima imagine they have to think, man, like, can I have a child during residency? And you, know why, you know the reason why they think that? Because they're like, all right, man, if I have a child and, you know, maybe I have to take maternity leave, then that, that's going to push me back. And like people can't even have families. People actually have to have family like discussions like, man, do I postpone having a family, starting a family, continuing my family? Right. Because this residency program may not graduate me on time. Like if, if that ain't. And that ain't it. And when I when I when I when I was a PD, um, my uh, my PGY one class, um, like we actually because we had eighteen total residents. And when I first started, um, out of the eighteen, it was twelve male and six 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 female, right? Like, and I was like, this ratio is ridiculous, right? So by the time I left, like I had flipped it, twelve female, six male. But like I understood that, like, hey, you got to understand that. You know, there's you know you got you got to make sure that they we understand family is important. We understand that family important is important. We 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 will work around you. But there's a lot there's a lot of surgeons um, 
pediatricians, internists, OB-GYNs, future uh, anesthesiologists. There's so many professions where the women in the profession won't even uh, begin family planning because of the fear that they may not finish residency or may not finish residency later uh, than their um, resident colleagues, right? Like, and again, uh, which is something I never have to deal with. I that's not even the thing that has, I have to worry about. So it's, it's just a, a system um, that is broken, right? And, and I think it's tough. It's tough for, it's tough for especially colleagues in the profession, those who finished it, to say, oh, this system is broken because, oh, like, well, I got through it. Like, how broken it could be because I got through it. And that is a, the worst way of thinking. That is the worst way of thinking. So when I'm when I'm talking to my residents, when I'm talking to my medical students, the last thing I'm I'm talking about, like, all right, did you did you read that journal article? Did you? Do? I'm like, hey, how are you doing? How's life? Like, how's your stress level? Because that's a question I ask. What's your stress level like right now? I just because I want to know, right? Because it's because I know the the residency programs don't do it. Let me see here. Oh, <laughs> so you said I'm still not to wear my wedding ring because they might think I'll leave to have kids. Oh, see, see, we can we can really we can really have a discussion of the discrimination that our medical education program has just by gender, just by gender alone of, uh, you know, people asking inappropriate questions during your interviews. Like, do you plan on having kids? Do you have like just ridiculous amount of questions because they, they're only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about you. Right. And trust me, that that question happens um, a lot, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. So someone said, uh, Maddie says, professional hazing ruins the lives of many young people. We need legislation is ridiculous. And what I what I do love, what I do love about our young people is that they're not up for the bullshit no more. Like they're not they're not. Like stuff like this, they see like there are plenty of young pre-med or used to be pre-med people who are going to see this story and be like, all right, I'm cool. I, I'm cool on that. Uh, nah, I'm not going to that. I'm not. No. Like, hold on. You want me to voluntarily sign up for a training that may be so stressful that I may take my life? No, thank you. And the reason why is because we're seeing less and less people apply to medical schools um, and because less and less people are applying for medical schools, guess what? That means you're having less and less doctors on the output, right? Which means you have to then like try to supplant that, right? And again, our our country is growing, our country is getting older, so it's not like we're having less people here, but there's going to be less people to take care of them unless we decide right to change like drastically, like unless we decide to change something drastically, like this is going to be a continued problem. Um, for not only for the foreseeable future, uh, but for a long time. So yeah, like the our our legislation, our governing bodies, our programs across the country, um, they really they really have to look upon themselves and say, all right, what are we doing, right? And what what I hope, what I hope is that something like this occurs, and you have programs across the country saying like, all right, what are like is our program like doing what it needs to do, right? Hey, residents, like, is anyone, like, let me sit down with you guys individually. Or is anyone stressed? Is anyone dealing with any issue that we can help with? Because this is, this is unfortunately a person who felt that they had no one else to go to. They had no one else to go to, and she ultimately took her life. And 
as a healthcare professional, as a physician, as a program director, like I have to take a hit on the chin. I have to say, man, I didn't do, I didn't rock out as much as I was supposed to rock out. I, I didn't go hard as much as I was supposed to go hard. Right. Like, and so like say it, it just, and unfortunate that a situation like this is, is something that it will energize people. Like, unfortunately it, I, I hate that it took, us to get to something like this for it to occur. Uh, but I do hope that this kind of uh, pl plays a significant factor, right? Uh, so Denny, uh, that's a very good question. So realistically, what do you think programs, um, uh, do you think programs will, right? So I think, I think programs are going to eventually have no choice. And because I, I kind of mentioned that now you have uh, medical students who are asking, hey, what do you do for wellness? What do you do for mental health? What do you do if I'm feeling burnt out? Like these are questions that medical students are asking and they're purposely not choosing your program because they don't like the answer you gave. And it's going to get to a point where programs are going to say, hey, we are suffering because we can't get the best students. We can't get the best trainees because they know that our mental health and our mental health um, wellness, you know, curriculum and how, do, how we protect our trainees is nothing but BS. So you're going to see these programs start to be forced, right, to have to do something, right? Yes, they'll, they'll do some modules and the the educated uh, medical students going to be like, all right, that's cool that you do modules, uh, but who can I talk to? Where can I do? Like, who has used these services? Like, they are going to get more specific uh, on this, right? Because I can't even imagine what's going on at that program right now. Like, I can't imagine what's going on at that program right now recognizing that man not only did she shine light across the country we still failed her even when the spotlight was on her like that program failed her knowing that she was overworked knowing that she was overstressed and she still said you know what? i don't have nowhere to go i don't have no help Uh, DeAndre says, um, I work with uh, residents all day. This is crazy. And there are, are many healthcare providers. Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. It's not not only not only are less people applying to medical school, less black people are applying to medical school. In fact, this year um, was the least amount of black males applying to medical school than it's been in almost a decade. Because, again, we're again, because we, we look, we're looking and we're seeing that, hey, this is a system that isn't accommodating to us. Even though they got to take care of us, it isn't accommodating to us. So I'm not going to go into a field that's not accommodating to me. So we're getting less applications. If you get less applications, guess what? You get less people who um, will apply and say, yes, I'm willing to you know, be a part of uh, your field. Right? And like I said, in this, this situation right here is going to make less and less people say, uh, that's what I want to do, All right? So now, de definitely, uh, a definitely a significant concern for sure. So someone, someone said, "I'm afraid to let my uh, daughter in medical school. She is into it." Yeah, no, it's it, it's tough. It's tough. Like I wish, I wish I could, I wish I could tell you that you know it's all it's, it's gonna get gets, it's gonna get better by next week. But we've gone through this song and dance before, so we've gone through the song and dance of the stresses of just being a medical student, right? We've gone through the song and dance of being a pre-med student. We've gone through the song and dance, uh, but we continue to end up at the same point. Like it, drastic things aren't happening and they aren't happening quick enough. Now, again, I do love 
that across the country, you have more and more residents standing out. Because again, I'm, I graduated residency 2014, right? There was no talk of residents forming a union in 2014. So nine years later, the fact that it's, it's on it tells me like, oh yeah, we're going in the right direction. But unfortunately, uh, we're having tragedy along the way. So I, I see the improvement. I see the direction we're going. Like I see the fact that these programs have to talk about wellness. So I see it happening. Um, but is you just, you, unfortunately, you want things to happen quicker. You want things to happen now. And it's just, it's just not happening. And we're just continuing to fail our young physicians. So when, when I see, when, when I, when I see my, my new colleagues celebrate, because they got accepted to their program and it's match day and everyone's happy. Like in the back of my mind, I say, all right, I'm so glad you're happy. I'm just, I'm just hoping that you're just as happy at the end of your residency. That's all I'm hoping for. I'm just hoping that like, I'm hoping that as you get to uh, the end of your residency, that feeling of happiness is still there and you're not super jaded uh, because of the reality of the situation. Now, of course, you can't tell no one that, right? You can't say like, oh, guys, I don't even know why you're, you're happy for it because not, ev- not everyone becomes super sad, right? But we, we, can't, we can't act like this is an outlier. We can't act like, oh, this just happens every now. No, right? It's happening too often. And I, like, I said, like I always talk, one is too many. So if it happens to just one person, we have to look at ourselves and say, what are we doing Right to make sure like this one person doesn't become two, doesn't become four, doesn't become six, doesn't become eight. Like, what are we doing to make that happen? And I think that's I think that's the direction that we have to go. Right? <laughs> yeah. No. It's, no. It's definitely stressful. Definitely uh, stressful for sure. Because it's 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 so because we because we sign up for it, right? We sign up for uh, the stress. We sign up for it because we love taking care of people. And we just know that this is just a means to an end. For a lot of us, we know, like, all right, I'll just deal with this BS for the next three years. Uh, I got I got so many goals and aspirations once I get there. Like, I'm pretty sure Dr. Mortimer had so many goals and aspirations once she got to the end. But the stress of just dealing with everything that was happening, her life, her residency, her training program, it was just too much. So she couldn't even make it. Like I said, this just happened last month, Mental Health Month. Everything's kind of winning. Everyone's talking about mental health. And here she is, felt felt like she was alone and felt like that this was the only way to do something about it. Right. Like it's 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 extremely, extremely unfortunate. And yeah, no, Vani says, yeah, residents definitely need to unionize. No, that's that's for sure. That is for sure. I think. And if you're a program, right, because obviously I'm, I'm looking at the programs out here. If you're a program out here. You should be doing the things you need to do so that your residents don't ever feel that they have to unionize. Like residents only have to unionize in places where the system is saying, nah, this is how it goes. So then they're turning around and say, all right, we're going to unionize then. Like if you're telling me, right, that these conditions are what I have to deal with, that this low pay is what I have to deal with, this increased amount of hours is what I have to deal with. If you're telling me that this is what I have to deal with, we're going to unionize. Right. We're, we're, we're going to figure out, all right, how can I get paid more? Right. How, how can I, uh, cause a lot of these programs weren't even paying to the cost of living of their location. So I'm in South Florida, right? 
South Florida is expensive. I'm pretty sure New York, I know for a fact, New York is crazy expensive. So if you're not adjusting to that cost of living and you're having to work 80 plus hours, which means even if for some weird reason you wanted to work at another job, you don't even have the time to work at another job. So you're you're working at a residency program, working 80 hours a week, barely making ends meet in a program that's consistently stressing you the hell out, right? Like, no, like, we're going to unionize because y'all are playing games. So if you're a program out here, you have to look at yourself and say, all right, are we doing the things we need to do so our residents don't have to pick up the phone and say, hey, we about to unionize? Like, are we doing those things and are we doing those things correctly? So I'm looking at all of these, uh, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, um, the, the the Brigham Youngs, right? The John Hopkins, right? I'm looking at all of these programs out here, especially from an educational academic standpoint. Hey, what are you doing? Y'all got to start setting these benchmarks out here so that these other programs that are at hospitals, like I said, this was at, which hospital was she at? She was at uh, Multi-Foyer Medical Center, right? And and this, this, this program, right, this center has 1,200 residents, right? And we kind of talked earlier about how these hospitals get paid. So if all 1,200 of those residents say, we not working tomorrow, if all 1,200 say, we not working tomorrow, that hospital shuts down tomorrow. No, no questions asked. If 1,200 people say, we're not working, that hospital closes down. So understanding that I got to unionize because I recognize, hey, if 1,200 of us say, this, gotta, this is how it got to go, and y'all don't want to capitulate. All right, we're just not gonna work. Y'all go find someone to work, and they're not gonna find. They're not gonna. They're not gonna find twelve hundred physicians who you would have to pay at physician level to work and replace them. You're not. That's not gonna happen. What whatsoever. Right. So I'm. Again, I just. Uh, I, I just feel. I, I'm. I'm. I'm glad that she championed the fight. I'm glad that she said, "Hey, I. I want to step up and do it." Uh, and I'm just saddened, right that. She, she was in a position where she still had to do that. I'm saddened that she was in a position where she had to unionize. I'm saddened that she was in a position that her attending colleagues and everyone else was like, no, 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 we got to do something. We got to. I'm saddened that she was at that position there. And unfortunately, all of the stress and burden and everything else was just too much for her. Right. Like, I think I think that's probably going to be the toughest pill to swallow uh, for a while. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely think she's she unionized. Um, definitely think they should unionize for sure. Hmm. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, someone said that too many residents don't want to get political um, or affluent or don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, it's and it's tough, right? Because if, you, if you've been training, if you've been working all your life to become this physician, whatever that physician is, whatever right? type of physician is, and you're like three years away, you're four years away, you're five years away, and you're like, all right, I just got to deal with this BS for three years and then I don't have to deal with this. All right, I'm going to just put my head down. But a lot of people can't put their head down. A lot of people do not have the ability to just say, all right, I'm going to suck it up for three to five years. But some people do. Right. And I can't fault them. Right. Because their eyes say, man, I don't want to lose my position. I don't lose my job. Uh, we all know that we have employees that if y'all wanted to strike at your job, not all 100 percent of the employees are going to strike. Some are going to be like, hey, man, I got I got. I got bills. I got responsibilities. I can't really rock with y'all like that. Like I understand it, but I can't really do it. Like so, it's the same situation uh, that occurs. Uh, but again, it's tough because 
those people shouldn't even be in a position where they got to be like, like, hey, that's that's on y'all. Like, like they, they shouldn't even be in that position, but unfortunately they are. And because they are, and because these medical um, residencies recognize that they are, they can do that. Right. They So they, they know that they can have subpar working conditions. They know that they can not pay as much because they say, hey, you know what? If you won't do it, we're just going to we'll just get another resident who will take your place. Like they know um, that that reality that's out there. So when so when they step out and say, hey, you know what? Now nah, I'm going to do something like I'm not going to just like act like not. Nah, I'm not cool with that. And I'm willing to jeopardize any political capital. I'm willing to make, you know, probably my program directors and my hospital administrators look at me kind of crazy. Like I'm willing to go through that. Like I just, I just commend them. All, all hats to them for sure. Sure. Yeah, the system definitely has the most leverage, right? Like I think that's the biggest issue. System definitely has uh, the most leverage for sure. Uh, yeah, hundred. Yeah, so no, that's the thing. Uh, Luca Dimension is kind of the numbers, right? And again, that hundred thousand, I think it's higher. I think it's higher. I just said hundred thousand for an even number. I believe that number is actually higher. So I believe it's actually higher per resident that they get, right, from the government, right? So, yeah, it's 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 a terrible terrible um, uh, situation to be in. All right, let me see for. All right, so I'm about to I'm about to get up out of here, but I, I appreciate everyone joining. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, it's just extremely tough. Yeah, no, Grace. Yeah, we were just kind of talking about, um, you know, this 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 beautiful person here who unfortunately took her life, um, who, as a first year resident, said, you know what, I'm going to be the advocate. Uh, for my residents and took it upon herself to do that and took it upon herself to fight a fight that mentally she probably wasn't ready to fight by herself. But she was like, I'm going to do this because I if I don't do this, someone behind me is going to have to deal with the same stress level that I'm having to deal with now. If I don't do this, because again, that's what typically happens. Like you fight for, you know, more rights, more responsibilities, more of this but you don't necessarily benefit off it. It's usually the people behind you, right? So because the people behind, she was like, no, I'm going to fight for the people behind me because I'm not going to allow the status quo of, oh, I had to go through this, so it's okay. Like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Ain't, ain't going to happen, right? Like, that's, that's, that, was the, that was the fight she fought. And, and I'm, I'm extremely, I'm extremely proud, but extremely saddened um, that we weren't there to be able to protect her so she would have to fight. Like she shouldn't have had to fight for that because people before her should have been having that fight before she got there, but unfortunately they weren't. And and she took that mantle, she ran with it for as far as she can. So again, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Dr. Mortimer. Um, Extremely tough, extremely tough situation for sure. All right, guys. All right, guys. So I'm about to get up out of here again. Appreciate you guys for joining the live. Um, we do this every week. Uh, typically, it's not as uh, emotional and downtrodden as this one is. But like, I, there was no way I could talk about anything else. Um, yeah, there's no way I could talk about anything else uh, and just kind of gloss this over. Like, it, I'd, I'd be it'd be a disrespect to her 
and uh, disrespect to all of the residents um, who probably feel like she's feeling across the country. Right. She's not the only one feeling like she's feeling across the country. She's unfortunately the one who said, all right, I'm going to take my life because I, I can't deal with this anymore. Right. So, I, again, that just extremely tough, extremely sad. So you guys be blessed. Y'all have a great evening. For those who want to catch this. Um, yes, you did, uh, Camille. Um, for those who if you want to catch this live tomorrow, I do post this on my YouTube page. Um, links in links in my bio somewhere. Um, use on my YouTube page. I'll post a whole full uh, live discussion uh, tomorrow. I'll be blessed. Y'all have a great evening.